0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more
2: at westholme.com slash That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
4: This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global.
1: Hello and welcome to Saber a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about marzipan.
2: Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this one. I will say this one is fun with pronunciations in multiple languages.
1: <laughs> Normally we at least get relegated to one. Yeah, yeah, Not usually it's only me feeling really silly and incapable of pronunciation in like Two languages tops like English and one bonus one. Yes. This one is like four or five. It's
2: <laughs> a lot. We're gonna do our best. We are but also it's really, really cool. I've loved looking this up because I have little to no experience with Marzipan, to my knowledge. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh I okay, I will say I had little to no experience with Marzipan until. Until maybe about 10 years ago, I encountered this box of, of of pretty little fruit-shaped candies at some, like, grocery store holiday display. And I was like, huh, those are cute. And I, like, looked at the box and saw that they were made with almonds. And I love almonds. So I bought it and then just became obsessed. Uh, it's, like, one of my favorite candies. Ooh. I, I mean, almonds almonds are one of my favorite flavors. So, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it's up there.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're adorable. I have to say, I really enjoyed looking through all of the pictures <laughs> yeah. of all of the shapes people have made them into. It is, it is a true delight. It is. So I'm very, very excited to learn more and hopefully acquire some. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh,. January 12th is apparently National Marzipan Day here in the United States. So, coming up yeah, this comes out. (laughs) Yeah. We're like on the correct end of this for once. Yeah, yeah. We're a
2: little ahead of the curve, in fact. Yes. Okay, well, I guess that brings us to our question. Sure. Marzipan. What is it?
1: Well, uh, marzipan is a type of candy made from ground almonds mixed with uh, sugar and sometimes other stuff until it forms this uh, slightly sticky, moldable paste. Um, Very moldable, and it will really hold its shape once you mold it. Uh, The sugar content means that it melts in your mouth. um, With a little bit of chew from both the sugar and the almonds, it can be flavored with other things, but uh, but often it's just almondy. You know, like a sweet and nutty with that kind of like almost like cherry like. Note to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mars is like, it's like Play Doh, but instead of being merely not poisonous, it's actually delicious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a food review that would be. It's not poisonous.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's, you know, like, that's the label on Play Doh. It's like non toxic. Right. It's right, like, right. you can eat this. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for that, but. <laughs> um, so marzipan is like the opposite. Yes. It's like you, you should, should eat, eat this. Yes, mm-hmm. yes,
2: yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
1: Uh, recipes for marzipan vary, but generally what you're doing is taking almonds, um, uh, blanching them to remove the skins and then grinding them into a fine meal. Um, or I mean, you can like buy almond meal, a uh, dealer's choice. Um, then adding, uh, some powdered sugar. And probably some liquid sugar, like a honey or corn syrup or maybe a sugar syrup that you've cooked down yourself. Uh, for moldability, you can also add uh, egg white. It'll help uh, firm up the structure in there. And you can flavor them with things like some uh, some almond oil or extract, some vanilla, rose water, orange blossom water, kind of gentle stuff like that. Maybe a little bit of ground pistachio is common as well. Um, but they are often just plain And then color it uh, because it's going to be naturally like a neutral ivory color. You can color it with food coloring or um, apply food-safe paints or powders to the surface. And, yeah, shape it into dang near whatever you want. Um, It's used as a candy on its own, um, as a decoration on other desserts, um, and as a, like, more edible uh, option instead of fondant for wrapping cakes. Um, it's like a less. It, it's it's a little bit less like totally smooth and sheeny like you can get mm. with a fondant, but so much more delicious.
2: <laughs> I believe you. I believe you.
1: Oh, every time I encounter fondant, I'm like, this is pretty, but geez, why?
2: <laughs> coming for you, fondant savor. It's <laughs> coming for you. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, marzipan also shows up as a filling in pastries and cakes like croissants and, uh, stolen and, um, some versions of king cake, also in chocolates and chocolate bars. And although you can make marzipan yourself, it's not that hard. Um, it is often purchased in just like a big old log, like a big old plastic or foil wrapped logo marzipan that you can then, uh, work however you would like to.
2: Marzipan is a popular Christmas and holiday confection the world over. And it's also the name of a character in the Nutcracker Ballet.
1: Uh yeah, it's uh it's sometimes less having to do with the Nutcracker, more that 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 first thing. Uh, a crafty thing for kids around Christmas or winter holidays, like uh like like molding Marzipan snowmen and 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 Yule logs, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of traditions do involve shaping marzipan into specific
2: shapes. According to some things I read in Norway and Germany, there's a tradition of giving people marzipan pigs to wish them luck. Listeners, please let us know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think this is a New Year's thing. We talked about it in our New Year's uh, foods episode in the way back. Uh, But yeah, uh, in Germany and Austria, I think as well, they're called uh, uh, Glückschwein. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Though... Though these these little good luck pigs can also be chocolate instead of marzipan, I don't know. Uh, apparently, marzipan eels are traditional in Toledo, Spain. Um, I, I've seen them. I've seen them pictured in um, in these round tins, um, like the size of cookie tins. You know, like for for like shortbread or or those 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 butter cookies, those little Danish butter cookies. Yeah. Um, so so in a in a round cookie tin, and then the marzipan is shaped into this like really cute eel that looks a little bit like a dragon with scales and everything and it's wrapped around a little hoard of candied fruit. <laughs> so cute. I
2: love that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh more 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 commonly in the states at any rate um and ar- ar- around many other places uh, miniature varyingly realistic fruits and vegetables are kind of the mainstay of marzipan design. Um Anything you can imagine. Uh, strawberries, apples, peaches, cherries, plums, pears, oranges, lemons, limes, apricots, mangoes, sure. Um, but also like eggplant or carrots or avocado or cauliflower or things like walnuts or chestnuts, which I really love. I feel like people get really clever with like, yeah. this is not made of this thing. This is what it looks like. <laughs>
2: I do enjoy that as well. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's um there's a whole category of marzipan flowers. Um, you can also do marzipan animals. Um, I've seen snails and clams and mussels and octopuses and and goldfish and starfish. Um, marzipan lambs for Easter. Uh. Marzipan can be shaped like other foods. (laughs) I've seen marzipan shaped like croissants and donuts and pizza and spaghetti and hot dogs and hamburgers and French fries. Wow. It's so silly. I adore it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole marzipan world out there.
1: It is. It is. Um, And also, yeah, although many candy makers do keep the flavor profile pretty simple... Um, and, and dress up marzipan through these decorative means, um, you can incorporate any dang flavor you'd like. Um, I've seen uh, uh, like rum or whiskey or, or brandy or uh, various fruit-flavored marzipans, uh, piña colada marzipan. Um, and also, also, different cultures around the world replace almonds and marzipan with whatever is locally available, from like peanuts to pine nuts to pistachios to cashews, um, in Germany, there is an alternative to marzipan called persipan. I'm not sure if I'm i am not. I didn't look at the pronunciation. That's what it looks like. I'm sorry. I'm moving on. Um, uh, it's, it's made with uh, ground apricot pits, um, which are, to be fair, closely related to almonds. Huh.
2: All right. Well, what about the nutrition?
1: You know, there's a lot of sugar involved in there. Um, but almonds do have a good punch of protein and fat they treat. They're a treat. Treats are nice.
2: <laughs> We're a big fan of treats over here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. We do have some numbers for you. We do. On an average day, the famous Nida Ega Cafe ships 30 kilograms, about 66 pounds, of their product to over 40 countries.
1: And uh, they promise that their marzipan is two-thirds almonds by weight. Ooh. High quality. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, In the United States, a product labeled marzipan only has to be uh, uh, more than a quarter almonds by weight. And apparently under European Union laws, a product called marzipan has to be at least 14% almond oil by weight. So I'm not sure. Uh. Anyway.
2: (laughs) Um, Burkhard Loy made the Guinness Book of World Records for largest marzipan pig. (laughs) It <laughs> weighed a ton, and five kilos are over two thousand two hundred pounds. I'll be honest; the picture of it kind of creeped me out. Um, okay, no, that's fair. It's a big, kind of creepy pig. The small ones are very <laughs> cute. They're so cute. Um, Lloyd kept the Marspan pig on display for six years before someone accidentally bumped into it and broke it. Oh no. He had a very good attitude about it. He was kind of like, "That's the way the marzipan crumbles." <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Loy also uh, he created the first and only marzipan dress, complete with twenty five thousand pralines. Pralines. See our episode about that for pronunciation issues. Yeah, and I su-
1: and I suspect that in this context, what that means is what we would call chocolates, like like filled chocolates uh, here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Um, during, during the first week of February, there is, um, a festival for St. Agatha in Sicily that features a lot of marzipan treats, including, um, the two, the two that I read about, um, that are particularly popular are, um, Olivette, which are marzipan that are shaped and colored to look like green olives, um, (laughs) and a dessert called St. Agatha's Breast's (laughs) what? <laughs> Follow with me for a minute. So these are okay. These are pastries made with um, usually pistachio marzipan, blanketing a mound of a uh, sweetened ricotta and um, sponge cake or pastry crust or chocolate, um, shaped like this perfectly round breast, um, complete with a little candied cherry nipple on top. Um, and this is this is because the story of Saint Agatha says that around about 250 CE, this the Sicilian girl Agatha kept her Christian faith and rejected the advances of this Roman ruler who was super into her and he had her arrested and had her breasts amputated and she died um and so Saint Agatha celebrating her um her devotion to Christ uh they have these boob cakes um and wow yeah um the olives the the, the olivette are uh, are because um, part of the story is that is that an olive tree sprang up to shelter her during her flight from arrest.
2: Wow, that's hardcore for a marzipan
1: I, <laughs> treat. I I agree very much. Um, <laughs> at any rate,
2: at any rate, Norwegian American reports that Norwegians eat forty five million marzipan candies every year. Ooh.
1: Mm -hmm. Despite this, if you happen to be thinking about how almonds contain a precursor to cyanide and that eating all that marzipan might be dangerous, worry not. Um, According to The Guardian, you would have to eat like 35 kilos of marzipan. It's like 77 pounds in a single sitting to ingest a lethal dose. So you're doing okay.
2: Wow. That was a real roller coaster because I was like, this is the concern I should have. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's not a con- the yeah, it's not a concern you should have. You're fine. Got it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um in Budapest in 2016, a candy maker threw a retro candy festival featuring among other things 150 different flavors of marzipan. Woo! Mm-hmm.
2: Um well, sales of marzipan in the US shot up during the 2019 holiday season. The spike was attributed to younger folks who liked the visual aspect of marzipan, perhaps for social media, along with a nostalgia factor. A lot of people wrote, you know, my grandparents liked this, or they introduced me to it. Yeah. Something like that. I was telling Lauren that reading that article feels very strange now, just because it was right before the pandemic. Yep. And you're like,
1: whew. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't know you didn't know you were so innocent yes yeah. yes
2: <laughs> well, we have quite the history on this one
1: ooh we do um and we're going to get into that but first we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor <laughs>
3: That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love
2: sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some
1: steak, Mm -hmm. and I am
2: very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us a a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first
2: two to three years of their lives.
1: The result is wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com
2: slash saver. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: So almonds are a different
1: podcast. That's Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's
2: going to be a huge undertaking, I suspect. Uh So we shall undertake it at a different time. (laughs) Uh Um, However, very briefly, almonds are old and people have been eating them all over for a long time. Uh Um, They are thought to be native to the Mediterranean and perhaps Asia.
1: Yeah. And I I could have sworn that we had done an episode on them, but we have not. So there you go.
2: There you go. That is the, once you have done a certain number of podcasts, it's the fun question you get to ask. Have we already done it? <laughs> Alas. um. Okay, but marzipan. The earliest known written records of marzipan trace back to Spain and Italy out of the 16th century, but historians believe it is older than that. Mm-hmm. For instance, there is a mention of an almond paste used as an aphrodisiac <laughs> in the collection of Middle Eastern stories, 1,001 Nights, compiled between the 8th to 14th century. Um, I think it was mentioned outside of being an aphrodisiac as well, but mm-hmm. it was in there. And several sources theorize that this treat made its way to Europe from the Middle East via trade. Spain had an almond and sugar-based treat called postre Regio, at least as far back as 1150 C.E., Going back to the ancient Greeks, they may have enjoyed a paste of honey and almonds. Some people trace marzipan to Persia, others to ancient Egypt. History indicates that, at times, these marzipan-adjacent treats and marzipan itself were used medicinally as well. Okay. Okay, but um, one of the most popularly told, more modern stories about where marzipan comes from places marzipan's creation in Lubeck, Germany, during the 15th century— In 1407, the city was under siege and in the grip of a famine, making flour for bread-making scarce. To alleviate the problem, the Senate tasked bakers with finding a replacement. Enterprising chefs got the idea to combine eggs, sugar, and ground-up almonds, arriving at marzipan. Okay. Okay. Yes, okay. Um, And this is also around the time when a farmer having a lot of pigs was a sign that things were going well for that farmer, and the pigs would often be slaughtered at the beginning of winter, the meat preserved to make it through the colder months. We've talked about this before, about how because of that, pigs came to symbolize luck, especially at winter and spring holiday celebrations. At the time, even if Lubeck wasn't the birthplace of marzipan, it was a big trade city, and the candy did become popular there. So it might have become known for marzipan, mm-hmm. and makers of the treat guarded their recipes vigilantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and actually, some historians speculate that shaping marzipan like a pig originated around this time as well.
1: huh? okay.
2: Yes. However, oh, this is just one story— And a lot of European cities claim to be the birthplace of Marzipan. And the stories reportedly happen over a wide range of time, making pinning this one down tricky. Toledo, Spain, and Sicily, Italy are two of the big contenders. Like, their tourism websites are pretty... (laughs) Pretty honed into
1: it, yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. The word itself has Romance language roots as opposed to Germanic ones, Pen or pane, meaning bread in Spanish and Italian. So there's that argument. Apparently, Germany still celebrates a Christmas tradition of molding marzipan into the shape of bread, a treat called Marzipanbrot. So, again, <laughs> listeners, please.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I'm and I'm not sure. I'm not sure of the German pronunciation of marzipan, um, uh, but. So this is, A, that's just fascinating to me because that basically means, like, almond bread bread. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the uh, etymology on this one is really fun because of similar-sounding words and related meanings across languages and time all kind of intersecting. So, like, yeah, uh, if, you're, if you're talking about, about bread, right, Germanic words for bread have that brr sound. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. uh, as in brot. Um, Latin words for bread have that pa sound as in, as in pan. Um, but where exactly anyone got marzipan is debated um, because there were also a number of both Latin-based um, and Arabic words in circulation in medieval times with um, pan or ban meaning box and martha or marza meaning um candy or small or spice. So you had these words like uh like like madapanis meaning small box or uh martaban, meaning spice box around the same time that 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 both um Germanic and Romance languages started calling this particular almond confection Marzipan or some very close variant thereof in in whatever language they were speaking. Um, and like the more I read into it the the more it made me think that like probably a product that was being made across this whole multilinguistic area suddenly popularized under the italian based name for whatever reason mhm- not 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 sure, not sure, don't know, couldn't tell you um. <laughs> I can say that when when English speakers, uh, Middle English speakers, first started writing about marzipan circa the 1400s, they called it march pain. Um, (laughs) Based on like march and pain, okay? Um, P-A-Y-N-E. And they had already borrowed a couple of French words, even though the the word bread was also in circulation at the time. Um, uh, Middle English speakers had already borrowed a couple of French words for dough or bread to come up with words like paste and pastry and pain, um, all of which were referencing these fancyish, newish, soft crusted pies or or other things made out of dough. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um
2: a lot of these origin stories of marzipan do feature similar elements. Um, one key one being famine, another being mm-hmm. scarcity. Um, the Toledo version credits the nuns of Convento de San Clemente with the invention. According to legend, the nuns used the only ingredients they had on hand, water, sugar, and almond flour, to create marzipan in order to stave off a starvation during the Batalla de las Naves de Toulouse of 1212 CE. Um, and I feel like that's a story we hear a lot, of like a battle, it's under siege, scarcity. What, what can we have? eat? Yeah. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm.
1: to be fair, I'm sure happened any number of times.
2: Yep. Uh, I mean, on a much lesser scale, less like me during the pandemic of like, yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I have these five ingredients here we go. Here we go.
1: <laughs> Something's <Yeah>. going to happen.
2: <laughs> and I'm going to eat it, no matter what. <laughs> oh. um, okay, so I just want to put in a note about this because I found it really interesting. Uh, the traditional Easter holiday cake, cassata, which I have never heard of, but I understand people are very passionate about it, is thought to have beginnings in Sicily, um, dating around the, the 10th century, though it is much contested.
1: Woo, Hmm.
2: Casada, or at least one popular version of it, is ringed with green marzipan decorated with candied fruits. According to historian Clifford Wright, Quesada was so delicious and seductive that as late as 1574, the Diocese of Mazzara d'Avallo had to prohibit its making at the monastery during the holy week because the nuns preferred to bake and eat it. Then pray. <laughs> I love that.
1: Oh, that's so good. Also, like, heck yeah, those nuns. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Get it, ladies. Love get it. it. <laughs> yes.
2: So a different episode. It sounds super yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to I had to include that tidbit. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, yes. So these European powers, particularly Spain and Italy, exported marzipan to their colonies around the world, including regions in South America and islands in Southeast Asia, where marzipan is still popular today. Marzipan arrived in Norway in the 1800s, or at least by the 1800s, and was popular there by the 1900s. The Nita Ega Cafe was founded in 1806 and not long after was providing sweets to the rich and powerful Due to the ability to shape marzipan, it was a popular thing at banquets um, as almost a storytelling or symbolic food.
1: Oh, uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Which makes
2: sense. With the Industrial Revolution and improvements in food technologies and transportation, as well as inventions and improvements around things like food dyes and dust, um, made production and shaping and coloring of marzipan, all of that made it easier. J.G. Nita Egga and company were shipping about 35 tons of their 400 marzipan products a day by 1979, with a significant surge in sales during the holidays. Whew. Mm-hmm. In
1: 2011, in an attempt to help control food fraud and contamination in German marzipan, this group of German researchers published an article about how they adapted the technology. Used in crime scene DNA analysis to genetically identify marzipan contaminations with with stuff like ground apricot kernels at the level of 0.1%. Wow. (laughs)
2: That's so good.
1: It is a oh. very serious paper that was published in uh, the uh, American Chemical Society's one of their journals, and I it makes me very happy.
2: Now I want like a CSI show, but it's like CSI marzipan.
1: Oh, mm. C- CSI could totally it could th- there could totally be like a CSI food fraud. Yes. In Cosine. fact, <laughs> in fact, now I don't know why there hasn't been CSI. Call us. <laughs> like, I know. We're- <laughs>
2: I think we brought this up in past episodes, too, so no excuse. Zero. (laughs) It's like you guys aren't even listening to the show. (laughs) Which is unfathomable, in fact. Unfathomable. (laughs) Okay, so lastly, I wanted to include this. Um, In 2020, the Colonial Williamsburg website, which made me laugh very hard. Okay. posted a recipe for a marzipan hedgehog. Oh, And it looks fantastic, I have to say. Uh, they based it on a 1796 recipe from Hannah Glass's book, The Art of Cookery, made plain and easy. The recipe went like this. Take two pounds of blanched almonds, beat them well in a mortar with a little canary and orange flower water to keep them from oiling. Make them into a stiff paste, then beat in the yolks of 12 eggs, leave out five of the whites, Put to it a pint of cream sweetened with sugar. Put in a half pound of sweet butter melted. Set it on a furnace or slow fire and keep it constantly stirring till it is stiff enough to be made in the form of a hedgehog. Then stick it full of blanched almonds, (laughs) slit and suck up like the bristles of a hedgehog. Then put it into a dish. Take a pint of cream and the yolks of four eggs beat up, sweetened with sugar to your palate. Stir them together over a slow fire till it is quite hot. Then pour it round the hedgehog in a dish and let it stand till it is cold and serve it up, or a rich calf's foot jelly made clear and good, poured into the dish round the hedgehog. When it is cold, it looks pretty and makes a neat dish, or it looks pretty in the middle of a table for supper.
1: <laughs> this is amazing. Literally, everything about this is amazing. I love it. I love it. Let's make a hedgehog. (laughs) I just, I love hedgehogs and I love marzipan Mm -hmm. and I love old recipes. Yes. And I love that for some reason, this marzipan hedgehog like necessarily needs to be like swimming in some kind of bath of of custard or jelly. Mm -hmm.
2: I love it. I love it as well. It is excellent. Go look up a picture listeners. It do it is do it right
1: now. I mean, if you're driving or something, don't do it right now. But like like as soon as you are safely able to. Um yes. the the image results range from very adorable to a lot, <laughs> shall we say?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh it was well worth the Google image search.
2: Yes. It is. Chef's kiss. Beautiful. (laughs) Um, It does make a neat dish indeed. It does. It does. I
1: would welcome this on any holiday table. (laughs)
2: Well, on that note, that is what we have to say about marzipan
1: for now. It is. um, We do have some listener mail for you, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
3: That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I
2: have to say, we received some product, some steak,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I am
2: very eager to share it with my friends.
1: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us a, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I like opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads,
2: flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash That's westholm dot com slash And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: And we're back with... It was, like, changing shapes, and then I was, like, Sonic the Hedgehog. And then I was thinking, Marzipan the Hedgehog.
1: No, It needs to be, like, the sad,
2: clumsy (sighs) sidekick of Sonic.
1: All right. Marzipan. We are... (laughs) We are just... We're dropping gold today.
2: Gold. <laughs> Amazing ideas into the universe. <laughs> Come on.
1: hmm hmm
2: Okay. Chad wrote, I was kind of surprised that you didn't know of disco fries and wanted to write in and share. As I was listening to the poutine episode and mentally drooling over the visions of gravy, duck, cheese, and fries running through my head, I kept thinking of my childhood experiences with disco fries, which I considered the working class or poor man's poutine. Hmm. Well, I do now. As a kid, they were pure heaven, when I could get them. <laughs> back then, I would order them whenever our family went to a place like an A&W, a locally owned DQ, or the skating rink. Ooh. I never saw them on a menu anywhere else, and it was a rare treat when we dine at any of these places. Your episode briefly transported me back to the memories of those fries, covered in gravy and tiny bits of... Well, who knows what it was? Probably Spam. Uh, <laughs> it's been a few decades since I had some disco fries, and I had to smile when you two debated what they were and did not know about them. Thanks for eliciting such an emotional food memory for me on a relaxing Sunday. It was a cooking day, and I made a dish of Thai yellow curry with delicata squash, onions, cauliflower, and garlic served with Christmas lima beans from Rancho Gordo, which is not the same thing as disco fries, but it certainly hit the spot. Ah. That does sound delicious. <laughs> all of it sounds good. all of that
1: sounds delicious. Oh yes. goodness, that's my wonderful.
2: skating rink. I will tell you, did not have anything like that. You got the nachos, but it yeah. was just the, like chips that they put the cold With the sad sauce. cheese. Yeah, yeah, that's what
1: we had <laughs> cheese, like in in yeah scare quotes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, now I'm trying to think. I. I, I know that we had, like, now and laters and, yeah, like, sad nachos at the skating rink, but I can't remember any other food. I'm sure that there was other food. I don't know. But, no, uh, re- regional, li- little regional specialties like this yes. um make me so happy when, like, yeah, you go, like, three states over and people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but too. you're like, this is a key part of my childhood? What do you mean, what am I talking about? <laughs> So yes. good. Yes.
2: Oh. Yes. And we really appreciate you listeners letting us know <laughs> about yeah. those things.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, Florian wrote, hello, fellow bacteria and yeast poop enthusiasts. Uh, BAPI. bappy." <laughs> There's an acronym. yeah uh-huh. uh, Anyway, Lauren and Annie Riceroni, (laughs) I just wanted to share a fond Christmas memory with you, which resurfaced while doing my favorite activity, sitting in an armchair knitting socks while simultaneously enjoying a cup of hot cacao listening to your podcast. It was some days before Christmas about 20 years ago. My friends and I were visiting a comparatively small Christmas market in southern Germany. Um, You are probably aware of the concept and the popularity of Central European Christmas markets. They mostly consist of wooden booths selling outrageously expensive crafts, um, more mass-produced sad trinkets than you could ever roll your eyes at under the Christmas tree, and most importantly, so many wonderful foods and beverages and when they are not reasonably canceled due to covid they are usually packed with people in the evening hours not just packed but crammed stuffed and compacted like clothing in the suitcase of a both equally prudent and indecisive person prior to a long vacation to a place with an unpredictable climate oh jeez that nice. sounds that's very personal <laughs> Okay, um, after about an hour of being squeezed into an uneven block of young adults, um, we were desperate for a breather while still unwilling to forfeit our progress of at least looking at each booth once. Our gaze fell about an area of almost complete absence of any form of life, which radiated in a circle from a single wooden hut. We assumed that this was probably the outlet of some obnoxious cult, and feeling bold, we took our chances. After a few cautious strides, it hit us we adventured into the lair of a cheesemonger. Even though my friends were more adventurous than me when it came to fragrant cheeses, they shared my experience of being totally overwhelmed by the sheer intensity of the smell. I dare not to guess which type of cheese might have been the main contributor, but the sum of it was as amazing as revolting. <laughs> An unseen entity filled the place wafting out to us with its vaporous arms, pinching our throats and noses until our skin turned pale and our veins protruded blue, making us one of its own. I believe it could have been weaponized or used as part of a defensive system, a roca force field. It had to be smelled to be believed. We finally managed to reinsert ourselves into the crowd and eventually managed to buy a few bags of candied almonds, which we then used as respirators for the rest (laughs) of the day. (laughs) <laughs> this is, of course, not to disrespect any fragrant cheese or the people making and/ enjoying it. But I have never since seen a dense crowd being repelled like bacteria from penicillium in a petri dish. So I wanted to share my experience <laughs> with you. And of course, my greatest respect to the person running the cheese booth on that specific Christmas market and people in similar circumstances. I hope that there are always people braver than me, reaching beyond the veil and reaping the treasure of their cheese ventures. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) Excellently written and read, Lauren.
2: Oh, Oh, that's so great. Thank you. (laughs) That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Everyone was like, oh. (laughs) Like, nope. (laughs) Just like a crowd collective, like, "Mm mm-mm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Wide birth to that yeah. one place <laughs> love that oh my goodness how yeah. delightful how delightful all around yes
2: absolutely <sighs> and as always such a delight to hear from you listeners yes. thank you so much for writing we do appreciate it
1: all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.
5: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it.